It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two. JT with you right here from home and soon to be back in the studio on Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m., brought to you by Grimaldi's Best Pizza I Ever Had. I'm on my way to Grimaldi's after the show over on the other side of town in Henderson uh, with a couple of friends we meet up with. We'll have some Grimaldi's pizza. They will love it. I'm excited about that. Uh, One of my guests who will sit down with me will be Fred Bolitnikoff Jr., the great coach at Coronado. So I'm doing that for this afternoon, and then I'm back to be being on the radio from 6 to 9 p.m. tonight on Mad Dog. Hope you have Sirius XM. You can catch out my show there. And then tomorrow morning, 6 to 9 a.m. So one of these double bricks, I call them. I'll be on from 6 to 9 p.m. and then 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Six hours after these two hours. And I'm in one of those whirlwinds where I'm doing a lot of radio here because I'm going to take some time off at some point this summer and see my family, and that's coming around the corner, and then get ready for another full year of Raiders coverage with fans, Allegiant Stadium. We're going to do a lot at the M. I want to just say that with our relationship with the M Resort and Spa and everything that's going on at the Raiders Tavern and Grill, our connection with Modelo and Remy Martin. If you're in town, you're going to hear of us, and you're going to see a lot of us over at the M in and around Raiders coverage as they're telling me more and more about that. So we're going to be really busy. It's going to be an unbelievable year here, and hopefully, as we just had Mike Mayock on, the Raiders are improved. I think a lot of fans are wondering what the difference is between being improved or vastly improved. And I think they're significantly improved. They went out and got Ngakwe, and then they went out and got Casey Hayward, and there wasn't a lot of openings. There weren't a lot of openings, and then they filled the entire the entire defensive room when it came to the defensive line. And I might not even have this accurate. I really don't because I keep a running list. And if I get it wrong, please someone correct me because you Raider fans know this team well. Malcolm Kuntz, Yannick Ngakwe, Solomon Thomas, Clee Farrell, Max Crosby, John Hankins, Matt Dickerson, David Irving, Quentin Jefferson, Darius Phylon, Vickers, Beasley, Carl Nassib. Uh, how, many, how many more players you want me to name? How many more players can I name on the defensive line? There's too many. There's going to be cuts. Safety position, Abram. Heath is gone. So take your pen and cross out Jeff Heath. He is gone. He is a casualty because the Raiders went out and got Divine Diablo and Trevon Morig to come in along with Carl Joseph, Dallin Levitt, and John Abram. So that's pretty full. That's pretty full. Can they add another safety? No. They brought in Carl Joseph and drafted two safeties. They're not bringing another one in. Linebacker. Now where you want to put Divine Diablo? Linebacker or some type of hybrid safety? Nicholas Morrow, Corey Littleton, Nick Witkowski, Kyle Wilbur, Tanner Muse, Javin White from UNLV, who we like a lot if he got a chance. Then the cornerbacks, Casey Hayward, Trayvon Mullen, Damon Arnett, Nevin Lawson, Isaiah Johnson. Nate Hobbs, Nixon, Robertson, Worley. I mean, Rasul Douglas. No vacancy. No, no more vacancy. If you want to bring in Richard Sherman, 
at a dirt cheap price, fine with that. Fine with that overall. So the defense is pretty loaded. And we'll see what happens on the offensive side where I think they're pretty loaded too unless there's a potential Julio Jones blockbuster or something big comes out of nowhere. Ruggs, Renfro, Edwards, John Brown, Willie Sneed, Zay Jones, Aitman, Keelan Doss, the depth of this team along with the tight ends who I didn't even mention. So the roster is set. Do you like it or not? All the additions plus the players that are here, I don't know what else I can tell you. I don't know what else I can tell you. Did you want more? Did you think you were going to get more in the offseason? I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking unless you call me. But that, that looks pretty loaded to me. So this offense, Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Richard Ingle, Theo Riddick, Waller, Carrier, Moreau, Bowers, Carr, Mariota, Peterman. What's available? This is your team. These are your guys. Some of them will not make the team. Will there be another surprise addition? Sure. There'll be a player that's still out there. Everybody's texting me about Melvin Ingram or Richard Sherman. Someone will come in and sign a veteran cheap deal, and then someone's going to get cut from another team in the preseason, knowing John Gruden. He'll go out there and bring the guy in to take a look at him. But this is what you got. So what's the strength of the team? which will be a big topic going forward. The strength of the team is the quarterback, veteran Derek Carr and his fourth system. It's also Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in football. It's hopefully the offensive line being productive with Richie Cognito being healthy, Andre James capable of starting and not much of a hiccup, Colt Miller just continuing to get better, and then the addition of Alex Leatherwood, along with who else is there as backups. And I'm not going to tell you that the offense is going to be better without Trent Brown and Gabe Jackson and especially Rodney Hudson. But I think it could be comparable because I've been the guy telling you from day one that this is a highly overrated offensive line. And that has nothing to do with cable. It's not a cable thing. It's the players not being available. So fortunately this year, I'm not going to do that again. I did it last year and the year before. When everybody called in and said, man, JT, we got one of the best offensive lines in football. I said, you're out of your mind. They never play. They're never available. They're always hurt. They're in the training room. Now I want a fresh start. And I'm hoping that Nick Martin or Andre James or Sam Young or whoever it is, they're not in the training room and they could be there with Alex Leatherwood and Colt Miller. If they're available, I think they could be very good. But we're not going to have the hype machine around the Great Wall of Oakland. The strength of the Raiders team is their offensive line. Give me a break. It's not. They never play. They're hurt. And you you make Cable have to deal with backups and get the most out of them. Now let's keep some guys healthy and get it going. The only, I wouldn't call it a weakness, but the only thing I'm not comfortable with is the linebackers. I think the linebackers are average. They're all average players. And there's no alphas such as Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher, Micah Parsons, now the rookie. So it's going to be ride or die with Morrow, Littleton, and Kwiatkowski. And that's going to be the linebacker core, and I don't think it's good enough. I don't. I think it's good. It could be average, but it's not going to pop and be great. Now, maybe the defensive line will be improved, so it will open up the ability for a guy like Littleton to have a really big bounce-back year. And if that happens, that'll be really good because Littleton's supposed to play 
at a Pro Bowl level. He's supposed to play at a very high level. A couple of breaking news stories today. The Angels are about to cut Albert Pujols, so he's done. And I think the Angels gave him a chance. They gave him a massive contract. He's 41 years old, and he's had a 21-year career. He's batting 198 this year with a 250 on base percentage, and he's just he's just awful right now. So he can't play there. they got to go in a different direction. And also today is Willie Mays' birthday. The Say Hey Kid is 90 years old today. And I always bring that up. My dad grew up in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium seeing Joe DiMaggio, all the legends, and he said that's the greatest player he's ever seen. I go, why, Dad? He goes, he could do it all. He could steal, he could run, he could throw. He was the best baseball player, and he's still alive. We should all celebrate that today. That is a really big deal, and a lot of people are excited about that. A lot of our listeners in the Bay Area, really excited about that for obvious reasons. And then Linda Cohn, my conversation with her coming up, which I think you're going to love if you're a hockey fan. Uh, There were a lot of fights in the NHL last night, a bunch of fights. And I did a show last night, and it was all on hockey fights. It was really cool about where is the sport now with fighting. And you can't get rid of fighting because men move around at high speeds with blades, sharpened blades on the bottom of boots and sticks. If you don't let these grown men fight every once in a while in a hockey game, they're going to use their stick, and the sport will actually be more violent. So last night there was a big fight at the Garden, a massive fight between the Rangers and the Capitals that we'll get to, and the Golden Knights had a fight. And the Golden Knights, I'll get to their highlights in a second as we're waiting on Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, The Golden Knights won another overtime game and got two points and another win for Fleury, which was absolutely incredible. And also, opening day, right across the street from my house, the Las Vegas Aviators tonight, 7 p.m. on this channel. So, AAA baseball at the ballpark, an opportunity in this town to rally around the Aviators. I'm telling you, if you haven't been to this Las Vegas ballpark, it's incredible. I don't know of a better ballpark, even many in the MLB level, where you can have such a good time. Grab a beer, grab some food. Head out to the ballpark and watch this team play. See some future major leaguers, some really good players, and just enjoy the ballpark. Enjoy the fact that you can go to a game again and be outside at one of the best ballparks in all of baseball, the Las Vegas ballpark, and it's right next door to the global headquarters of the Vegas Golden Knights, so you can go through their store and buy some gear and get ready for the playoffs. All right, he's ready to go. Daniel Jeremiah, kind enough to check in. From NFL Network, Move the Chains, the podcast is amazing, and we appreciate him making time for us here on Raider Nation Radio. Daniel, thanks for coming on. I saw you tweet out a picture from Petco Park. As you're a Padre fan, are you decompressing after all the draft coverage? Yeah, it's my favorite thing, man. I was just, I was actually texting um, with Tom Telesco uh, just a little bit ago, and he was talking about how he's watched a lot of baseball the last couple of days. I don't know, something about football, guys, once the, the you know you get through a big uh, moment like that, baseball is just the perfect uh, recipe for just relaxing, man, and taking it in. So it, it was fun. Yeah, real quick on that. I'm a Yankee fan, and that Yankee-Astros series was incredible. But there was only 10,000 fans. And yeah. I got this theory on baseball, especially Petco. You know, Dodger fans came in and bought a lot of tickets, and it's outdoors. Mm-hmm. And 
I just wish they would release more tickets. I don't want apathy to kick in. I don't want fans to say, I don't know how many tickets are available. We're not at full capacity. You were just in a ballpark. Did you have the sense that they could have fit more fans in? Because the Padres have passionate fans who want to buy tickets. Yeah, you know what? It's it's the third game I've been to, so I feel like there's more than at the previous one I was at. But with this team, I mean, this town, San Diego has been so hungry for a good team for, for so long, and it's actually a great baseball town, as you know, because yeah. you know some of the best baseball in the country in the high school level is played in San Diego. We grew up with it. It's year-round. So they've been so starved for a good team, and this is by far the best team the Padres have fielded since 1998. So even though it wasn't, you know, you could fit more people in there, no doubt, but there's actually pretty good energy and excitement level in the ballpark. Let's get to the draft and your analysis going in and how much work you put in on the quarterbacks. Did it live up to the hype for you? Were there any surprises, anything you really didn't see? Walk me through the quarterbacks in the first round from your perspective. Yeah, they ended up coming off the board in the order in which I had them evaluated. So I had it Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. And there was all the buzz, you know, connecting the 49ers to Mac Jones. That's kind of what I had been told by a lot of people as well. So that would have been a surprise to me just in terms of where I had them graded. But at the end of the day, it ended up kind of chalk. They, they came off the board, in, in my opinion, in the proper order. And I think all the quarterbacks ended up in good spots. Like to me, Mac Jones, I, I, it would have been – it sounds weird, JP, because you think, man, you're, you're in the shadow of Tom Brady now. I, I think there would have been more pressure on him coming in as the third pick with your own fan base thinking you were you maybe overdrafted and why didn't we get you know Lance or Fields and – um, the team that you know is expected to go to the playoffs and deep into the playoffs right away. Whereas in New England, you're kind of in the middle of the first round. Cam's there. There's no rush. Um, it, it's, it's just crazy. But I think there's less pressure on him going to the Patriots than there would have been on him going to the Niners. I just wish that Belichick would have had to work a little harder for all the fans who aren't Patriot fans. I mean, for him to sit there with this big safety net and he falls in a bunch of pillows to Belichick at 15. No one, Daniel, wanted to move up to 11, 12. Nobody thought about moving up. It was that easy for Belichick? Well, I think that tells you that, and this goes with the Patriots. I think the Patriots really liked Mac Jones. I don't think they loved him. If they loved him, they wouldn't have taken the chance that, you know, a Washington or one of these other teams could have traded up, you know, the Saints in their their transition period. You know, if they if they were, you know, head over heels in love with Mac Jones, they would have gone up and got him and not not taken the chance somebody leapfrogged him. The same way, you know, when you look at all these quarterbacks over the last few years, you know, the, the Chiefs, they went up for Mahomes. They didn't sit and wait. You saw it with Houston go up for Watson. Uh, we saw it in this draft with Chicago going up for Fields. Usually you have a guy you love. You don't sit back on your heels and wait for him to fall. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great fit for New England, but I don't get the sense that they were, you know, that they were up against the wall saying we got to get this guy. Daniel Jeremiah joins us, and Mike Mayock's your good friend, and I talked to him earlier yeah. today in regards to the Leatherwood pick. I'm just fascinated, and I've been doing this. This is 20, 23 years going on with the Raiders, and I, and they've reached on picks in the past, no matter who the GM was, dating back to Mr. Davis. We're talking about an Outland Trophy winner, an All-American, two-time national champion, and Raider fans went nuts that the Raiders couldn't move back. And I always say, if the phone isn't ringing, you know this business as good as anyone. If you can't move from 17 to 19 or 17 to 30, what happens when you're on the clock and the phone isn't ringing? Because everything I'm hearing is Tom Cable and Gruden and Mayock were all on the same page with the pick. 
Yeah, and I, and I talk to Mike all the time. I talked to him yesterday on the way down to that Padre game, and we kind of had a little bit of a chuckle uh, because this is what this is what we both love about the evaluation process. And having mm-hmm. been in, in inside the room, nobody there's no universal grades on players. Not everybody agrees on every evaluation. That's the, the case in every building, and it's the case with every evaluator. I just laughed about it. I said, Mike, isn't this the way it works? You know, I wasn't surprised that they um, – that yeah, I knew he liked Leatherwood. I knew they liked Leatherwood. I wasn't quite as high on Leatherwood. But then you flip around in the second round, and, and Merrick, the safety from TCU, is one of my favorite players in the draft. He's like my 16th player. So I said, Mike, you come out of this with if – if people said you came out with Merrick and Leatherwood, I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. They got Merrick in the first. They got Leatherwood in the second. That's great. And he's like – and you just flipped it. Who cares? You got the guys you wanted. Absolutely. That's just some fans care and fans who look at mock drafts. You're in the business of doing it. You do a great job. And I just want to get a couple of more ideas. First from Jerry Jones and the discipline on defense. Did you see that coming in, getting Micah Parsons and what they did with the rest of their draft? Yeah, I mean, look, we were on the air, you know, during the draft. And I think Rich might even ask me, like, hey, are you surprised the Cowboys have gone so heavy defensively? I'm like, well, did we watch their defense last year? They were awful. Um, So not a surprise to see him lean in that direction. You know, Kelvin Joseph had some off-the-field stuff that some teams, you know, weren't as good with. So I I may be a little bit surprised they took him in the second. I thought there was a chance he might drop a little bit. But I love the DT from UCLA Odigazua. Um, and, and Chauncey Golson, I thought was tremendous value, the edge rusher from Iowa. So they added a lot of intriguing pieces. Jabril Cox is, you know, he, they got a tremendous value on him. I think he was, you know, around my, in my fifties on my player list and they got him in the fourth round. So they needed to get a lot better with Dan Quinn. I think they got that accomplished. Um, now they just need to see if they can keep this offensive line healthy. Wrapping it up with Daniel Jeremiah, everybody loves the Jets draft. I mean, especially the first four picks, going back to Michael Carter, the running back, Elijah Moore, uh, Vera Tucker, and Wilson. Where'd you have that draft? Is that where you thought it would fall to them? They, they're getting a lot of good feedback. Yeah, I, I really did like it. And, um, you know, it's funny on some of this stuff because, like, look, let's as we do, we need, to, we need to wait three or four years and we'll figure out who had a good draft and who didn't. But it was funny to me that, you know, Joe Douglas is, is one of my really close friends, and we kind of came up through the Ravens organization together. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised that I really like their draft because we tend to like the same types of players. But, uh, you know, Vera Tucker's a stud from SC. You're going to put him next to Mekhi Becton. They're going to have one of the better young left sides of the offensive line or league. And then I didn't think the kid from, from Old Miss, Elijah Moore, would be there in the second round. Mm-hmm, so yeah. uh, those are those are impact, impact dudes right away. And then they – at the end of the draft, in the later rounds, they took some flyers on some fast guys on defense. and That's one of those deals where you hope one of those is a lottery ticket you can cash in. Daniel is the host of Move the Sticks podcast along with Bucky Brooks. It's a big-time podcast, and you catch all his work on NFL Network. While we have a few moments left, I just want to get big picture from you on Aaron Rodgers, and here's how I look at it. I look yeah. at it as Denver is the obvious landing spot if he wants to go there and they can pull it off, if Green Bay is open to that. But I'm interested in the bigger topic, the block. If you can go back and the Raiders and the Chiefs and the Chargers could have blocked Peyton Manning from going to Denver and he got two Super Bowl appearances in a ring, I think everybody would consider doing that again. I think it's more about the chess game and blocking Aaron Rodgers for some teams. It could be the Raiders, the Washington football team. Or is it just him picking one team, one team falling in love with them, and it's going to fit like a glove? How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, to me, I boil it all down. I just I can't wrap my mind around how 
the Packers trade him. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I just I just can't. I, I couldn't do that if that was. I just put myself in that chair if I was a general manager and say, you know what, I would I would get with Aaron and I would say, Aaron, look, I want to make you the highest paid player in the league. We, we're gonna you're gonna involve you. You're not gonna make the decisions, but we'll involve you a little bit more in, in what we're doing and from a roster standpoint. But you need to know if you don't, you know, want to sign this deal, we're gonna give you. You're not playing anywhere else, man. Like you can go, you can go in entertainment and do what you like, but you're not getting traded. I'm not putting it on my resume that I traded Aaron Rodgers. It's not happening. And when you look at the teams that you mentioned, I mean, you see it, you know, doing the Raiders stuff. That Broncos mm-hmm. roster is actually really talented. And you put right. a guy like Aaron Rodgers with those receivers, with Cortland Sutton, and you have Jerry Judy, and you've got Fant and Albert O. And good night. Uh, yeah, I mean, as somebody who yeah. calls the Charger games, I can imagine that would that would not be a welcome sign to see that dude show up in Denver. With a minute to go, anything on Deshaun Watson? We know he wants out, and obviously the legal course will take its place, but have you heard through any of your sources of a team, if he settles, if he clears his name, that is ready to pounce? And the team that you just always hear connected is Miami, you know, so right. we'll, we'll see. It. Obviously all this stuff has to clear, and who knows how long we are from that taking place, but just from friends inside the league, the expectation is uh, if he does move on that that's probably the most likely spot. Look forward to having you on in the regular season. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Appreciate you making time. I appreciate you, dude. I can't wait to get out there and see that new stadium, by the way, man. It looks oh. awesome. Hey, you might not be there for a football game. You could be there for the Stones, Garth Brooks, a European <laughs> soccer match. We're going to have fights. We're going to have a lot to be here. It's a quick flight. I just flew J- JSX to San Diego or Southwest. You know how that works out, West. You could be here in an hour and ten minutes. No doubt, brother. Well, it's good to hear your voice, man. Be good. Same here. Daniel Jeremiah, appreciate him coming on, and good to get him on a day like today after his good friend, Mike Mayock, joined us. Good to have him on. That was brought to you by Bell Solar, uh, the best solar company in town with the best reputation, and they're hiring professionals. Can you imagine if JT gets you a job? I'm telling you, I can get you a job at Bell Solar, or at least a hookup. Give him a call, 702-979-1277. Apply for a sales position with Bell Solar, And you'll know all about this. It's no longer an emerging business. Business has been around a long time, but now more and more people are understanding how they could lessen their bill, especially in Vegas when you have the new summer bill for air conditioning. I'm I'm at that stage now with a son who's coming back from college and a senior in high school. I'm that dad that goes into their room and shuts off their ceiling fans and shuts off their lights because you don't want that bill to spike up. But if you have Bell Solar... You'll get such a rockin' deal on that, you'll feel pretty good about that. Watching the Yankees about to lose to the Astros. There it is, a double play. Astros beat the Yankees 7-4 final in the Bronx today. Albert Pujols, Angels release Albert Pujols after one of the greatest careers of all time. Will he land with another team to go out there, maybe with another at-bat in the postseason, another opportunity That's a story coming up. And when we come back, also, we're going to get into hockey and the Golden Knights momentarily. Linda Cohn in my conversation with one of the great hockey minds, male or female, in all the NHL. She's coming up here in a little bit. Let me get Nick in Long Island in. How are you, Nick? Go ahead. Hey, what's up, JT? Hey, Nick. I was calling. I know it might be a little epic now because it was last hour, but the the whole Tony Dungy Gruden thing, I, I, I hear it so much. And you hit the nail on the head. Tony Dungy couldn't even win with Tony Dungy's team. And that's the logic these people throw out there. And also, whatever they love to throw out, Gruden can only win with Dungy's team. How come they don't give credit for the Raiders being in Gruden credit for the Raiders being in the Super Bowl 
that year when Gruden beat them. Doesn't it work both ways or it doesn't? Or do we just get the bash on Gruden and pile on Gruden? Well, they love to pile on Gruden now. You know, no one piles on Gruden who knows Gruden. You know, everybody who knows Gruden at ESPN or in the media or around the Raiders, everybody loves Coach Gruden, and they think the world of him. And then there are fans that are triggered, and they want to win more games, and they've been more critical than they have been before. But as I always said, Coach Gruden knows this. He's comfortable with it, and he wants to win more than anyone in that building other than Mark Davis. It's John Gruden, and he's desperate to win, and I hope it happens soon. Me too, man. And that's, you know what? That's all we've really had the last 20 years of Raider fans besides the 2016 year. It was those three, three or four Gruden years. And everyone sits there and they act like we're, we're a perennial 3-13 and 13 team. We're not. We're right there the last two years. A couple blown calls here, a couple plays there. We're an 11-5 and five team. Stay the course. We're going to be fine. And the other thing with Tony Dungy, every year he had Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. The guy would have an all-time year and they'd get bounced in the first round. So spare me the whole Gruden could only win with Tony Dungy's team. Gruden had the Raiders buzzing in the early 2000s before he even went to Tampa, including beating Tony Dungy 45 to nothing in 1999. The same year Tony Dungy lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship. I don't want to hear about that anymore. All right. There you go. That's why you call in. You have that number. You can call in and defend Coach Gruden. That's nice to hear. That's refreshing. 702-365-9200. Thanks for the phone call on that. You know, for me, it's pretty – I'm into the Hall of Fame, and we'll we'll be at the Hall of Fame this summer for Coach Flores and Charles Woodson. And when it comes to the qualifications to get into the Hall of Fame, They have to be super special and unique. It's got to be great to get in. And for a guy like Jim Plunkett, who's won two Super Bowls and is not in, and some of the other individuals, Cliff Branch, who passed away, that should be in, when it comes to coaches, it's really simple. You need two Super Bowl rings to get into the Hall of Fame. If you get two, you'll be okay. You'll probably get in. If you have one, then you have to be someone that fans love or the media falls in love with, like Tony Dungy. Or Bill Cower. So the greatest thing that could happen to Coach Gruden, in my perspective, is he wins a Super Bowl. I didn't expect him to win. Who thought he was going to win the Super Bowl his first two years, including a transition year of moving from Oakland to Vegas? If you did, you were nuts. But now you can put him on the clock for the Super Bowl in year four, five, six, and then be concerned about it if they're not competing for the Super Bowl in year seven or eight. That's all we can control is making the team better every year, getting to the playoffs consistently, and then catching a break in one of those playoff runs and maybe having a home playoff game. It's going to be tough to have home playoff games with Kansas City in the division. So a lot's got to go right, and John Gruden's the guy to do it. There was COVID last year. The team was ill. The team wasn't available. Uh, They should have won 10. They won 8. They weren't a joke. They weren't a laughing stock. They lost a couple of really tough games. This year they got to get better. They have to be better, and they have to be noticeably better, and I think they will on defense with Gus Bradley. I think Gus will have them better, and then hopefully that affects the entire organization. And if that does, we're going to be fired up about it. You know, I'm a little while away from my bucket of Modelo's. Modelo, the official beer partner of the show, the fighting spirit. Pop open a Modelo. I use the cans by the pool, by Backyard Brick. Have a bucket of Modelo's heading into the weekend like your boy JT.
Carl Hagelin nicked out and garnered Hathaway. They combined for two goals, three assists. Here we go. Right and right the off the faceoff. Three fights simultaneously. Rooney and Dowd. DiGiuseppe going at it with Hathaway. Blackwell and Hagelin. One second in. One second in a brawl because of what happened the game before when Tom Wilson of the Capitals went after multiple Rangers players and punched a guy without a helmet and slammed his face into the ice and there was no fine. There was a $5,000 fine but no suspension. So the whole world of the NHL yesterday was on edge and everybody knew that the Rangers were going to go after Wilson. So Wilson wasn't a part of that opening brawl because he wasn't on the ice but this is what happened when he came onto the ice for his first shift tom wilson on the ice for the first time he has the puck and here's the booze from the crowd and now brandon smith. Brandon smith goes right after wilson yep and he's hanging in there real well against an unbelievable heavyweight in tom wilson he certainly is well three fights simultaneously right at the start and now 50 seconds in wilson's first shift and now he and Smith are separated. Kenny Albert on NBC, and we'll get to what happened in the Knights game in their fight. But last night, it was chaos in hockey. One of the great voices of the NHL, Linda Cohn, from SportsCenter, checked in with me after those brawls, and I asked her if she expected it. Yeah, hey, JT, thanks for having me on, as always. Look, here's the deal. You know, I tweeted this out when the NHL Department of Player Safety decided not to suspend Tom Wilson uh, because that opened up everything. And what I mean by that is when, uh, for those who did not see it or just landed on this planet or couldn't care less about hockey, let me educate you. Uh, Tom Wilson is a guy in the Washington Capitals, big time forward. He actually has skill, but sadly he gets distracted by his own power and how he uses, uh, let's just say his, I don't know, his physicality against uh um, star players, players like uh, the New York Rangers, Artemi Panarin, who, you know, who is like about 80 pounds lighter than Tom Wilson uh, and or Pavel Buchnevich, who is about 50 pounds lighter than Tom Wilson. And Wilson on Monday night in a win for Washington over the Rangers uh, took out both those players, Buchnevich with a cheap shot. And then Panarin threw him down like a rag doll to the ice. He did not have his helmet on at the time. I'm talking about Artemi Panarin of the Rangers. And Tom Wilson was very, very fortunate that Panarin did not suffer a fractured skull. He's out for the year. Um, so anyway, no suspension by Tom Wilson, just a uh, fine of five grand. So Wilson was in the lineup. And the NHL and the NHL Department of Player Safety could have avoided the circus that happened, which was as soon as the puck dropped for the opening faceoff. And I said this was going to bring attention to this great game for all the wrong reasons. I tweeted that out when that decision was made not to suspend Tom Wilson. The puck was dropped a second, one second, JT. Three fights broke out, and that was just the beginning. There were 100 penalty minutes, six fights in the first four-plus minutes of this hockey game at Madison Square Garden. 141 penalty minutes for the game. All of this could have been avoided if the league and its Department of Player Safety uh, had the, you know, look bigger picture and realize this was going to happen as soon as Tom Wilson or even before he stepped out onto the ice. I mean, they just dropped the gloves, JT. Tom Wilson wasn't even on the ice yet. Linda Cohn is our guest. And in the era that we grew up in watching hockey, this was more common. And it led to the debate how important 
fighting is for the opportunity for the players to police themselves if, as you said eloquently, NHL safety doesn't pick it up, Gary Bettman doesn't clean it up, and a guy like Wilson's allowed to play in the next game. Take me back to your history with the sport when the debate came up about banning fighting or why fighting needs to be a part of the sport because it's part of its history. Well, you know, um, listen, I played the game. I was a goaltender. <clears throat> I watched uh, hockey in the National Hockey League since I was a little girl growing up in New York. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the Broad Street bullies who bullied the New York Rangers. Of course, the Broad Street bullies from Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Flyers, um, won two Stanley Cups, uh, not only with some skill, but just using uh, the physicality. I'm one of those people that, always have said you don't need fighting in the National Hockey League. Uh, it's not necessary. The problem is when you um, eliminate fighting totally, which the league has not done, which I'm fine with, and uh, the problem is some players use their sticks to enforce, and that is even more dangerous uh, when you think about it. See, hockey players, um, they're very smart. They know all about fighting, and you know, and they want to discipline each other on the ice and take care of uh, business on the ice and hand out discipline. And they match up usually JT with players, their size. I know that sounds silly, but usually that's the situation. And that's what happened. Many of these altercations that broke out were, you know, uh, again, you know, two guys that were same height, basically same amount of weight, basically, you know, Tom Wilson is just bigger than everyone. And when Brendan Smith of the Rangers took him on, as soon as Wilson stepped on the ice, Wilson still had more pounds on Brendan Smith. But, you know, I have no problem if the players take matters into their own hands. What I don't like is when it just got a little bit out of hand, when there were mm -hmm. brawls, where there were unnecessary fighting, where there were messages being sent. You don't need all that. But again, this all of this should have been avoided because Tom Wilson uh, was just reckless and the result was a horrific violence and it wasn't discipline by the national hockey league they could have avoided all this and i just hate when this great game turns into a circus linda cone is our guest sirius xm and sports center espn iconic great to have her on and linda i look at this in every era Wayne Gretzky had McSorley to protect him. Trottier and Bossy had Gillies. There were always guys to be there on the ice at the end of the bench. They would call them goons, fighters, whatever it was, and they were there for a reason. If the game got out of hand, you had to protect the 50-goal scorer, the guy that everybody else was coming after. It doesn't seem like we're in that era anymore. It seems like there's a level of respect where Sidney Crosby, and you go down the list, Ovechkin's different because he's so big and so strong. No one's going to pick on him, but Connor McDavid, talk about the rest of the league in the NHL yeah. and how, yeah. the, how the stars need to be protected if yeah. there are guys like Wilson who really wants to take a run and knock one of these guys out of the game and change the series and change the competitive balance in the league. Yeah, it's a great point. And your favorite team, the Vegas Golden Knights, they have one of those guys and Ryan Reeves. Right. Uh, he protects the star players. And, you know, uh, rosters can only have a certain amount of players, right, that you pick and choose. The Rangers don't have any tough guys. They traded away their only tough guy uh, midseason in Brendan Lemieux. Uh, so there, there are more teams without an, quote, enforcer like a Ryan Reeves of Vegas Golden Knights uh, like a Tom Wilson, um, but these guys actually have some skill as well. You know, Ryan Reeves can put the puck in the net. Ryan Reeves, you know, disrupts uh, the opposition. So, you know, 
here's the deal. Uh, the league is going to figure this out. They're in the offseason, they're probably going to change the rules a little bit because the reason why the NHL Department of Player Safety had George Paros, who I'm not a fan of, uh, decided not to uh, suspend Tom Wilson for his theatrics. And anyone who wants to see this, I mean, it's a really disturbing video of what he did against Artemi Panarin. You can, you, you'll see he really technically, according to the rule book, uh, did not break any so-called rules when he threw Artemi Panarin down to the ice twice and body slammed him and almost hit his head on the ice. So it's just crazy. So they're probably the, the, uh, the GMs. It's up to them and the Players Association to uh, start making some adjustments and figuring it out and finding the right balance so we don't have to have and go back to the 70s and 80s and have goons on mm. team rosters. Not that we're saying we have that now. Ryan Reeves is not a goon. You know, Tom Wilson, I wouldn't call him a goon, but I just, I just don't understand. This something. He's like a pit bull, and I love pit bulls because I have one. There's something that goes off in his head when a certain player or something, I mean, that scrum on Monday night that started this whole thing was all started by Tom Wilson. Sucker punch to a Ranger, Buchnevich, which led to everyone getting involved in a so-called hockey scrum, and then Wilson finishing it off by taking out Panarin, another Ranger, and body slamming him to the ice twice. So this was, should not have been allowed to even happen. So, yes, uh, things being blown out of proportion because of this incident, of course it is. But, yes, changes still should be made to the rules and protecting these players, the star players like you mentioned, like the Connor McDavid's, for instance, like the Artemi Panarin's, guys like this who cannot defend themselves or shouldn't have to defend themselves. Wayne Gretzky never had to defend himself. Mario Lemieux was big and strong and could have defended himself, but he never had to. Linda Cohn as we wrap it up. So, Linda, finally, I know this is close to home with ESPN getting the hockey rights, the addition of TNT. This is a big moment. Because Seattle's coming in with the Kraken. You know the success of the Golden Knights and the entertainment factor. And now it feels like Barry Melrose, you knowing hockey the way you do, it feels like this is a relaunch for ESPN that no doubt loves hockey and they did a lot to grow the sport. Walk me through streaming platforms, what you're hearing behind the scenes. I know you do NHL radio on the future of the sport now. Now the television seems to come back with a much bigger commitment. There's a lot of excitement, JT. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I could be heard on SiriusXM, NHL Network Radio, as well as, you know, daily on ESPN Plus, seen on In the Crease, which is our daily uh, hockey highlight show from the National Hockey League. ESPN Plus is going to be huge. Obviously, the games will be on ESPN. Uh, the network, the family of networks, so pumped up and excited to get this game back. Uh, and you're right, ESPN helped grow the sport. Do you know why? Because ESPN focuses on personalities. It's how they grew the NBA the way they did, um, you know, in its heyday. And uh, the National Hockey players are excited. They've reached out to me, coaches, GMs. They're all pumped up. They know this is so great for the game. And, you know, for those who who attend to, there's always haters out there, JT, as you know. You know, people are like, oh, ESPN, they don't even know hockey, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, listen. Uh, what you know this when you have a product when you spend billions on whether it's the NFL the NBA UFC whatever it is that's what you focus on that's where you put all your energies on because that's part of the uh, two-way street right but when you don't when you know NBC had the NHL for all these years and they did a fine job uh, you know that is why you know ESPN you know would not you know there's just not enough time to treat the NHL not their uh, product 
is the same as the NBA or the NFL. It just didn't make any sense. But people like me, you know, uh, Levy, Butchie, and Barry, you know, keeping hope alive and keeping that torch lit until this day has come and it'll start in October. And just be ready, man, because it is going to be something like you've never seen. And, uh, you know, the hockey fan will be uh, so happy once they see everything um, the way it is being played out. But uh, get on board with ESPN Plus because that's going to be something. Uh, I'll tell you. Cannot wait. SUNY Geneseo legend JT the Brick talking to SUNY Oswego legend <laughs> Linda Cohn. Hockey I on Mad it. Dog. And we both and we both got out of the tundra, the snow belt of Oswego and Geneseo to go live I this life it. out west. I just got out here a little bit before you. Now you're living the dream. I know. That is so funny. I totally <laughs> forgot. How did I forget that you're a Geneseo alum? That's I just love it. And that just shows you, I mean, SUNY schools, people people like, you know, in uh, Nebraska are like, what are they talking about? But, you know, <laughs> it's just the State University of New York system, you know, affordable uh, yes. college education. You know, of course, my dream being a hockey player, I wanted to go to either McGill University or Boston University. A, I didn't have the grades. B, I didn't have the money. Uh, so there comes SUNY Oswego and they had a women's hockey team and they had beautiful sunsets and I got a great education and I know you did as well. And now look at us. Well, the only mistake you made is I did not get a great education. And then the, now Geneseo's the Harvard, <laughs> the Harvard of the SUNY system. But I did become president of my fraternity, the DKs. And that was the greatest accomplishment in my life. And, and I don't think I have any open bar tabs and I don't have any criminal record back there. So I think I worked out. Okay, well, listen, Linda, I, I, you, yeah. got a different ki- you got a different kind of education being yes. president of that frat. Absolutely. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Thanks for returning the favor. I love coming on with you. Thanks for doing this, Linda. Anytime, JT, you know it. The great Linda Cohn. When I see her on SportsCenter, I just love her. She talks hockey. Most people can't talk hockey because they don't study it. They don't watch it. They don't go. Linda's great on that. And last night was a big night around the league because it seemed like a lot of guys wanted to go. And they wanted to fight. And I think fighting's important with the sport. It's the way that men police themselves when things get out of control. And when it gets out of control from time to time, someone's got to clean it up with a fight. It isn't the end of the world. Breaking news, the Raiders signed guard Markwell Harrell. So free agent guard Markel Harrell, the club just announced at Raiders.com. And if you were looking at your app, which you should, you'd see it there. Harrell originally entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent, signed with Buffalo following last year's draft, the 2020 NFL draft, spent the offseason with the club and was later signed to the practice squad. He's six foot three, 370 pounds, a guard who went to Auburn. He played in 43 games with 31 starts during his time with the Tigers. A two-year starter from 2018 through 19, being named third team All-ACC, He was also a five-time member of the SEC Academic Honor Roll. So the Raiders go out and add depth at the guard position. Markwell Harrell is a new signing for the Raiders, and that just broke on the Raiders app and Raiders.com. Keeping you up to date on what happens as we're live on the radio is something I like to do. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. A pretty good week for us here. A lot happening from my time up with Fred Bolitnikoff to the conversation that we just had with Mike Mayock. And hope you're listening and all of our proud partners who listen. Brought to you by Remy Martin as we team up for excellence. A Remy Martin cocktail is the perfect way to end the day or start the weekend. 
I'm not ending the day, but I'm starting the weekend tomorrow. And I'll have a Remy Martin cocktail by my side. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Right side, oh, a hard hit from Haig. Took his man to the boards. Penalty coming up. Look out, we've got multiple fights breaking out. Kaprizov took the hit from Haig right at the railing at the Vegas bench. And everybody's all locked up. Well, that was interesting last night. The Haig fight got it going. And VGK had a lead with Flurry in the third period. I'm always shocked when they don't win, when they have a lead in the third period. Uh, the reason why they got to overtime was this Riley Smith power play goal. Up top, Martinez. Power play goal Monday. He shoots, save, rebound, score! Riley Smith on the rebound. It's a power play goal. 2-2 tie with 4-16 to play. Massive goal, Dan Duva on the call. They needed that. And then Petrangelo, everybody was hoping he'd find chemistry quicker. As long as he's ready for the playoffs, he gets the game winner. It's in the right corner. Marcia so picks it up. Marcia so top of the right circle. Set it up, right wing, extra feed. Petrangelo scores! Alex Petrangelo wins it in overtime. Vegas three, Minnesota two. Golden Knights radio on the call. Peter DeBoer after the game. Pretty excited once they lost that lead in the third period. The Knights bounce back. You know, them coming back the way they did in the third again. and It looked like uh, the same story as the other night. Um, you know, but I, I loved our response. And we were better tonight. I think we deserved to win tonight. Yeah, DeBoer was pretty happy because that team really rallied late. That was the key to get the players to believe they could come from behind and win it in overtime. Like I said, we, we needed everybody to show up tonight to beat this team on the road in this building uh, with some of the guys missing from our lineup, and and we got that. Uh, finally, the news today. The, there's two big stories I want to get out of here with. The Floyd Mayweather fight against Logan Paul or Jake Paul, whoever the bum is. Whoever the YouTube kid is, it's just doing a money grab. It's breaking the internet now as we speak, and this is a boxing promotion. It is a dark day for boxing when boxing media, when boxing media is covering Floyd Mayweather fighting an exhibition and wanting to fight both the Paul brothers. Just disgusting. This town of Vegas, with what we can offer with boxing, and now all we can get is old, old-timers fighting exhibitions, and that's how we're going to cover the sport of boxing. Just gross. Just terrible. And again, people that like to watch pretend sports and exhibitions, there's a market for that. But I'm into the real sport. I'm into the real sport of boxing. And the Washington football team announced just an hour ago that they're going to welcome back fans at full capacity. Last year, the Washington football team, formerly the Redskins, had 3,000 fans at their home games. Now they're going to open it up and sell it out. So that's great. That's good to know. We need more teams stepping up. We're assuming most teams will do this. The state of Maryland currently permits outdoor venues to operate at 50%. But the Washington football team recently has held events at FedEx Field, including the team's draft night party. Sounds familiar in Vegas, too. Good, a good sign for the NFL going forward. Thanks to all of our partners. Every day, they keep us on the radio and keep us pumping so we can give you the best content in the Raider Nation. From noon to 2 p.m., thanks to Mike Mayock and Daniel Jeremiah, who joined us live today. Linda Cohn, my conversation with her. Thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. 
think it's been a good two weeks in the Raider Nation, and you're able to hear it right here on Raider Nation Radio. Have a good day, you guys.